we are going to talk about the crisis in Yemen today. You know, I know everybody's hearing uh, a lot about Ukraine. I stand with Ukraine. People are flying Ukrainian flags everywhere. There's social media postings. Um, you know, you see bumper stickers everywhere. But what about Yemen? What about Syria? What about Iraq? What about Libya? There's way worse crises going on in the world. Oh, but those were perpetrated by the U.S., right? So I think that's why we can't talk about those. And another thing. What is going on, Jersey Worthy, my friend? What's going on, Jersey Worthy? Thanks for being with us. Uh, looks like my co-host might have dipped out. Not sure what's going on with that. But uh, let me pull up a couple articles here and uh, we'll jump right into it. Okay, so I've got an article for Forbes here. Yemen became the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Um, this is from April 5th of uh, 2018. And uh, let me pull up this article. Got a bunch of damn pop-ups. Of course, they want me to subscribe. I'm not subscribing, Forbes. No. Uh, so in early 2018, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres reported that the Yemen crisis had become the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Approximately three quarters, equivalent to over 22 million of Yemen's population, were in dire need of humanitarian assistance and protection. Of the 22 million, 11.3 million are children. Yes, you heard that correctly. 11.3 million children. Nearly every child in Yemen is affected by the crisis. At the 2018 high-level pledging event in Geneva for the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, which was convened by the UN and governments of Sweden and Switzerland, Guterres outlined the needs of the Yemeni people in accordance with the 2018 humanitarian response plan for Yemen. Close to $3 billion is required to help more than 13 million people across Yemen. Guterres identified that about 18 million people in Yemen are food insecure, with the number having increased by a million since the conference in 2017. We can only guess what those numbers are today. This number includes, no Forbes, I don't want to subscribe. Thank you very much. This number includes 8.4 million people who do not know how they will obtain their next meal. As a recent CNN article reported, both sides are using food as a weapon of war. Not only is food an issue, millions of people in Yemen do not even have access to safe drinking water. Last year alone, this resulted in over a million cases of diarrhea and cholera in December 2017, the International Committee of the Red Cross confirmed that over a million cases of cholera had been reported since spring 2017, making this the worst cholera outbreak in two decades. Children under the age of five accounted for a quarter of all reported cholera cases. The World Health Organization confirmed over 2,200 cholera-related deaths in statistics gathered to uh, December 7, 2017, the risk of another cholera epidemic remains high. In all, in all walks of life in Yemen, even treatable illnesses become a death sentence. According to Guterres, one child under the age of five dies of preventable causes every 10 minutes. Let that set in. 
one child under the age of five dies of preventable causes every 10 minutes. In the time it takes to read this article, a Yemeni child has died from an illness that would not result in fatalities in other countries. Children are the main victims of the Yemeni conflict and the humanitarian crisis. UNICEF reported that over 5,000 children were killed or injured, an average of five children every day since the escalation of hostilities in March 2015. That's right, since the escalation of hostilities. So we've reached the seven-year anniversary of the escalation of hostilities. How long has Ukraine been going on? A couple months? Over 1.8 million children are acutely malnourished. 400,000 of them are fighting for their lives, according to the January 2018 reporting of UNICEF. As confirmed by Guterres, nearly half of all children aged between six months and five years are chronically malnourished and suffer from stunting, which causes developmental delays and reduced ability to learn throughout their entire lives. Kind of reminds me of what's going on with the children right here in Flint, Michigan, huh? Lead poisoning. Yeah. Uh, the use of child soldiers is widespread. Many children are forced by the dire situation to support their families. Young girls are subjected to forced marriage. The most recent assessment suggests that over two-thirds of girls under the age of 18 are married, with a large percentage of them being under the age of 15. Over two million children do not attend school, as Edward Santiago from Save the Children concluded in early 2016. An entire generation of children, the future of Yemen, is being abandoned to their fate. Two years after that statement, the situation of children in Yemen has only deteriorated to the point that their future seems bleak. While the conference focused predominantly on the spiraling humanitarian crisis in Yemen, it cannot be forgotten that the conflict remains ongoing. Until it is concluded, there will be no sustainable so solution to this humanitarian crisis driven by conflict. The conflict began with the Houthis, a minority Shia group, which took over the US-backed government and capital very quickly. The conflict escalated to involve multiple actors and gave fertile ground for terror groups such as Al-Qaeda and Daesh to flourish in the re region. Civilians continue to be the indiscriminate victims of the ongoing conflict. They are subjected to indiscriminate attacks, bombing, snipers, unexploded ordnance, crossfire, kidnapping, rape, and arbitrary detention. Women and girls face sexual and gender-based violence. Guterres reported 30% a 30% increase in women and girls seeking assistance available to the victims of sexual and gender-based violence. While the ongoing conflict is not discussed at the 2018 high-level pledging event in Geneva for the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, it did advocate for an urgent cessation of hostilities and a political solution for Yemen. Two of the most generous donors, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, pledged $1 billion combined. This is a great support from the region. However, it cannot be forgotten that both countries continue to play a part in the conflict. Guterres repeatedly suggested that the military and humanitarian action should be kept separate. Should it? Question mark. 
Perhaps not in light of the evidence that only a few days ago, a Saudi-led airstrike killed several civilians, including children. Few could also forget that in late 2017, Saudi Arabia failed to fulfill its promise to reopen humanitarian aid corridors. Is it still charity then? This is an article from Forbes Online, April 5th, 2018. And um, the reason I'm reading this is because of all the virtue signaling going on around the Ukrainian crisis, right? I just saw something today that Russian tennis players are being banned from Wimbledon. Are you kidding me? So the level of indoctrination, programming, and brainwashing by the Western NATO states, basically, is, is un unbelievable. Not that I don't care, not that my heart doesn't go out for the people of, of Ukraine, but what about the people of Iraq? What about the people of Syria? of Libya, of Yemen. What about these people? Way more people suffering for way longer. Oh, that's right. But that was at the hands of the United States government. So that doesn't seem to matter. We've got a message here. Jersey Worthy. Shout out to And Another Thing for doing this thing with the, with the great info as usual. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. We have another message, folks. This is from Shamara. Yes, uh, and don't forget people of Palestine too. Um, uh, thank you for having this show. Uh, we need more of this to make people aware, you know. And I agree completely. Um, what is somebody who is only crying is being born in a country and they get shunned from, uh, banned, uh, actually, from sporting events? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful message. Yeah, I, I, I did not mean to leave out the people of Palestine. Um, I heard our ex-president Jimmy Carter call Palestine an open-air prison and also an ongoing apartheid state. So we didn't stand for South Africa being an apartheid state. Why do we stand for Palestine being an apartheid state? Not a lot of people know this, but before Israel became Israel, its own state, there were many religions and many nationalities living in harmony with each other for many, many, many years. So it is just the power of the state that has corrupted this. And I forget who said it, but I, it's one of my favorite quotes, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that is absolutely what we're seeing, state corruption. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of which, you know, this trickling into sports, how ridiculous is that? Apparently the number two tennis player in the world is Russian, but he's not going to be able to perform at Wimbledon because what? Because of where he was born? That is some Nazi-type nationalistic bullshit, if you ask me. Has, you know, he had nothing to do with the conflict. <clears throat> I don't believe he's even taken a political stand on it or spoken out at all about the situation he's just trying to do him and play some tennis and he's banned from the biggest tennis competition in the world this is crazy we've got a couple more messages here jersey worthy coming in hot also everybody uh if you like this information uh please go check out uh and another thing with dave podcast uh tons of uh the a lot of you know tons of the same kind of great information on there as well I personally listen to it on uh, the Apple podcast, but once again, ask, uh, you know, and another thing himself about other uh, uh, channels, right? Other platforms, but listen, and another thing with Dave, okay? Podcast, man, uh, uh, tune in.
Thank you, Jersey Worthy, for the tag. Yeah, shame, a little shameless self-promotion. Please do check out my podcast if you like information like this. Uh, it's kind of what I dig my teeth into is underreported stories um, that you will never hear from what I call the lamestream media. My podcast uh, and another thing with Dave is available on 23 different platforms in 46 different countries. So you're, you know, whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on, I'm sure you can find it there. We've got a message from Fletch. Hey there, panel. Hey there, listeners. Do enjoy these talks. Always enjoy when you leave comments for whichever live you happen to be in. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you talk about. So uh, glad you made this talk because, again, a lot of people are pretending to care about what happens around in the world and what um, America's interventionism has done to the world. Uh, I'm glad that, that, you know, there's persons like yourselves who do like to talk about these things and be honest about what's really happening in the world, in this country. Thank you so much, Fletch. Yeah, one of my uh, longest time friends used to say, why do you hate America so much? Just because I focus on what needs change, right? Um, the Easter Bunny doesn't need help. The Easter Bunny is doing just fine, right? Good things don't need our attention. They're, they're good. What needs our attention are the wrongs in the world, the problems that need fixing. So um, that's where I tend to focus my attention. Things that we might be able to do something about to improve, even if it's just talking to another person. I know talking about it makes me feel a little bit better myself. It, it you know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and helpless. What can I do? I'm just one person. Well, maybe me talking about this will trigger somebody to do some some research and to learn uh, uh, about all these crises going on that far exceed what's going on in Ukraine. Once again, I'm not talking smack about Ukraine. I, I'm pro-peace. I'm anti-war in any situation. I love all people. I feel for the innocent people that are dying on both sides of that conflict in Ukraine. Um, but what gets me is the virtue signaling. These people, like I said before, with the bumper stickers and with the flags on their front porch, you know, this is only this crisis is two months old. The Yemeni crisis is over seven years old. I've never seen a Yemeni flag or a bumper sticker. I haven't. You don't hear about it in the news. So that's why, um, and, I, and I'm an anti-imperialist. I don't believe imperialism is good. I believe we need a change in the world dynamics and in the world power structure. And it's coming, whether we like it or not. China, India, and Russia, and Indonesia have formed an alliance called the Sides. It's a military and trade alliance. And um, yeah, they're pretty much going to put an end to uh, U.S. world hegemony. You know, we we could have been on the forefront of that change, but the powers that be, um, the neocons and the people behind the new world order on our side, the George Bushes of the world, seem hell bent on an imperialistic strong hand rule. Well, that only works for so long. You know, the one percent can only control the ninety nine for so long. Right. Um, so let me get into another little bit here. This is from the World Health Organization, World Health Organization website overview. After more than five years of continuous conflict, Yemen's health system is on the brink of collapse. More than 17.9 million people out of the total population of 30 million 
were in need of health care services in 2020, and this number is likely to increase in 2021. Only 50% of health facilities are fully functioning, and those that remain open lack qualified health staff, basic medicines, medical equipment like masks and gloves, and oxygen and other essential supplies. The World Health Organization works alongside health authorities and other partners to support primary health care services in priority districts. This support has enabled more people to access health care, including vulnerable people in remote areas. Without this, many people would have, would have to travel several hours to reach their closest facility. World Health Organization continues to support health authorities in responding to the ongoing cholera outbreak, including case management, surveillance and, la surveillance and laboratory investigations, vaccination campaign planning, water sanitation, and hygiene and risk communication. We, also, we are also supporting routine and specialized vaccination campaigns to protect children under one year of age from life-threatening diseases, including diphtheria, cholera, and polio. So that's the World Health Organization kind of tooting their own horn of like well, what they're doing, right? But, you know, who's the largest donor to the World Health Organization? Oh, the United States is, right? Well, how much money are we giving to the World Health Organization? I know we just gave $13 billion in military aid to Ukraine, and that's military aid, right? I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen the uh, videos of crates of weapons on the streets in Ukraine with people just walking up. Any old person could just walk up and grab a military rifle, right? What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Where are all those weapons going to be in 10 years? Whose hands will they be in? Will they do a mass recall of the weapons? Or will those just find their ways into uh, extremist groups? Right? Like, uh, let me remind you all that uh, how ISIS was created. ISIS was actually created by with, um, well, they were armed with the weapons that the U.S. military left in Iraq when we departed. The U.S. military's official explanation on that was that it would cost too much to ship the weapons home. So, well, we just left them there. And, you know, why not leave the keys in them? Oh, my God. Right. So it seems that that was um, planned. Right. Like the CIA's oldest trick in the book is create a crisis, offer the solution. So that seems like exactly what happened over in Iraq. Let's leave a bunch of weapons, a bunch of vehicles with the keys in them and the bullets right there. And then, oh, my God, look, this this quote unquote terrorist group rose up. Now we got to go over there and fight them. Oh, create the crisis, offer the solution. If you know, if it was, in fact, too expensive to ship the weapons home, which seems weird to me because we had no problem shipping them over there. If they if it was that if that argument was legitimate. Why wouldn't they have put the, all the weapons and vehicles in one giant pile and dropped a bomb on them, rendering them useless to anybody? Oh, because then ISIS wouldn't have rose up and given us an excuse to invade Syria, right? So it all makes sense. It's all connected. And, uh, you know, as we were supporting ISIS to fight against the ISIS and Al-Qaeda, right, all of a sudden, how quickly, what, what a difference a day makes, how quickly we flip, right? So ISIS and Al-Qaeda are enemy number one. But then as soon as we want to overthrow the Assad regime in Syria, oh, now we got to work with these 
you know, uh, fringe groups is what, you know, Obama and Hillary Clinton were calling them. No, well, 10 minutes ago, they were terrorist groups, right? So we were working with ISIS and Al-Qaeda to fight against the Assad regime. And it's funny how I was just listening to Lee Camp. If you don't listen to him, check him out on YouTube. He's got a uh, podcast, Moment of Clarity. He's brilliant. And he was just saying, it's really funny how when we hate a government, we call it a regime, right? But you didn't, we didn't call the Bush administration a regime, right? It's the Biden administration. And if it's a, you know, a foreign leader that we like, we call him a prime minister, right? But then you just notice the language, notice the rhetoric. Anytime they're trying to ramp up your hate for somebody that you've never heard of before, it's a regime that we need to overthrow for the people, right? Well, let's look at the people. Iraq, how did that work out? We killed between 500,000 and a million people. We'll never really know how many, but they have an epidemic of birth defects now because of the depleted uranium ammunition that we used over there. You can see this on YouTube. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, children born with horrific defects, horrific. It, it, it made me cry. It was brutal. Yem, um, Libya was the, about the most developed country in Africa. And uh, we bombed them back to the Stone Age. You know, I've heard there are open slave markets over there now or, or were. So, you know, went from, uh, from a very progressive country. And whatever, whatever you think about Gaddafi, that's neither here nor there the average person was doing pretty well in Libya. They, they got a monthly check from oil revenue. Women could go to school. Women had all the rights of men do, um, did. And he was developing what's called the gold dinar, right? And he was going to start trading oil in gold. Oh, well, we didn't like that. And as Hillary Clinton say, we came, we saw he died or whatever the hell that warmonger said, but it was brutal. So it was a plan. I've got to think there's a larger plan going on with Ukraine. I don't know what that is, but the Western media is rallying us, rallying us, right? Like they want us to send troops, right? They want us to condone sending U.S. or British troops. That's my gut on this. And it's just so transparent because there's so many worse tragedies going on in the world simultaneously i mean for fuck's sake look right here we don't have to look further than the united states right here in our borders we have an epidemic of homelessness flint michigan still doesn't have drinkable water um, our infrastructure is crumbling and in complete disrepair yet we have you know i i did a little bit of research about the libya thing as soon as I heard, excuse me, about the Ukraine thing, as soon as I heard we sent 13 billion of aid to Ukraine, I, I, I Googled, you know, how much aid do we send around the world? Well, in 2021, we sent out $122 billion worth of aid to foreign countries, most of it military aid. So not really going to build water purification plants, sewage treatment plants, but, you know, weapons of death and destruction. We got a message. Fletch. Um. Also, a quick question that came to mind because there was another live you were in and you threw out some folks that I listened to as well on uh, on YouTube. Do you remember the same progressive? It was this nurse 
And the reason I thought about it is because I agree with you, and, and she would say this as well, that part of the way that we're going to heal ourselves and help ourselves and move forward to taking actual um, uh, political action is we have to fix our minds first. Like, if we don't get our minds together and our mindsets about how we should treat each other in this country, we can't actually have our bodies take action. But uh, it did cross my mind if you had heard of the same progressive. Again, she used to be this nurse on YouTube. Um, but then she kind of um, conveniently disappeared after, <laughs> off of off of YouTube, probably saying things that she shouldn't have, but were probably the truth. Um, but yeah, same progressive. I just wrote that down. Thank you, uh, Fletch, for that. I love uh, checking out new sources of information. I will look her up, the same progressive. We are in a sad time right now of censorship in the U.S. and Western media in general, though. Um, the person I was referring to earlier, Lee Camp, he had a show on Russia Today on RT America, and that show was pulled, you know, along with every other show when when RT America went down. Uh, so did his show. So did Chris Hedges, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. He had a show on RT America. Um, as a matter of fact, all of his videos, six years worth of videos have been taken down from YouTube. Uh, so he's working on trying to post those in different places. Um, I recently had a video pulled from YouTube and um, it, it said for medical disinformation, the title of my video was the, uh, the dystopian reality in the United States today. And I wasn't referring to the Corona vaccine, the COVID vaccine at all. I was referring to a report I read that a uh, Gates Foundation vaccine had sterilized women in Africa. Well, they didn't like that. My video got taken down. So I should probably make a little note so I can delete that from this podcast. So this podcast doesn't get taken down. Um, but I just wanted to share that with you because we are living in a crazy time where you have to really scrutinize what you talk about. You know, we're told we live in a free country, but it, it is really, really, really far from that. And Fletch, what you, what you were saying about having to get our minds right, I couldn't agree more. And there's so much division being sown right now. You know, uh, are you pro-vax? Are you anti-vax? Are you pro-Ukraine? Are you, you know, anti, you know, are you pro-Putin? Are you a Putin apologist, right? There's, there's all these little boxes. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? There's all these little boxes that people can try to put you in that our media and our government ultimately is trying to put you in so that then we form, we sow lines of division, right? Because an educated, united populace is a tyrannical government's worst nightmare. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a third party guy. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm registered with the People's Party. We don't take corporate money. I uh, would urge everybody to look into it. And if you know somebody that would be a stand-up politician, you can actually nominate them for a seat in the People's Party. It's a groundbreaking organization. It's run by Nick Brenna. He uh, ran the Bernie Sanders campaign. And of course, he's, you know, somebody tried to smear him with a hashtag Me Too thing to discredit the whole movement. Um, but you can hear him speak about that on the Jimmy Dore show. And he assured us that that is a completely baseless claim. Um, they also tried to smear him for having his father be the treasurer of the People's Party. Well, he said point blank, who can I trust more than my own father? Makes sense to me, right? So, it, you know, it's not like they're getting rich over there. 
<laughs> so it's not nepotism. If you want to talk about nepotism, we don't need to look any further than, than uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, right? Unbelievable. But yeah, let me hear some more messages. What do you people think? What do you want to hear about? Um, I was going to have a guest on this show. I guess he was having trouble connecting and then he just kind of disappeared. So um, I didn't plan on this being a monologue, <laughs> but um, you know, I've never been accused of not having something to say. So uh, I can uh, I can continue on for a little bit. Maybe I'll try to pull up another uh, resource on Yemen. See what else we have. Yemen crisis explained. Let's see. Here's a little breakdown. The UN estimated that by the end of 2021, the conflict in Yemen would have caused over 377,000 deaths, with 60% of them being the result of hunger, lack of health care, and unsafe water. It says more than 10,200 children are known to have been killed or wounded as a direct result of fighting. So, you know, once again, back to the I stand with Ukraine virtue signaling bullshit. Do you stand with Ukraine or do you stand for human rights and the, the right for all people to live a dignified life in peace? Um, that's where I draw the line. I don't stand with any government. I stand with people. And let's Let's look at the, I'm going to look into the U.S. military aid package that we gave Saudi Arabia, which is, which are the weapons that are being used against the Yemenis. We've got a uh, Yemeni, excuse me, I was co corrected and I said that wrong the other day and somebody shredded me for it. So the Yemeni people, excuse me, got another message here. Fletch. Watched RT for many years. I think it's sometimes best to get some of your information from, for me, like whistleblowers. So Individuals like um, Bill Benny, a.k.a. William Benny, um, uh, former CIA agent, I think his name is John Kiriakou, uh, uh, even like Cynthia McKinney, former um, former U.S. politician, um, and actually was for a long time uh, listening to a gentleman by the name of Lee Stranahan from uh, Fault Lines, which was, he, were, he was under Sputnik Radio, and he went there because I actually watched him in real time uh, quit Breitbart News because he wasn't allowed to ask why the Republicans wouldn't pursue checking the DNC servers. And the fact that his own party from the right uh, didn't allow that, like, freaked him out. And he actually uh, quit working for Breitbart News. So I like listening to whistleblowers. <laughs> Thank you, Fletch. Yes, I uh, pretty much steer away from corporate media because we know what their agenda is. They're owned by corporations. Their bottom line is profit. And you'll never hear an anti-war, pro-peace message on a corporate news network. Um, you know, the Donahue show, I believe it was on NBC way back uh, prior to the original Iraq war, was NBC's top rated show. The guy had been on for like 30 years. Then he started having uh, people on as guests that were speaking out against the Iraq war. They canceled his show. They didn't just reschedule it. They canceled it. They pulled it. Their best show of all time. They pulled it because they didn't like the message. Fletch, here we go again. So with that said, a part of me was uh, interested if you've ever done one or if you will do any in the future about um, some of the more recent whistleblowers out here in America 
and what they're presenting. Of course, we know Chelsea Manning um, and uh, her great service. Um, of course, I think everybody knows uh, Edward Snowden, but uh, any any newer ones that, that you think might be of relevance? Um, yeah, thank you, Fletch, for bringing that up. Some of my favorite, well, speaking to Edward Snowden right away, um, yeah, I watched him on Democracy Now!, which, yeah, you know, I take Democracy Now! with a grain of salt, but this program was fantastic because they had Snowden on, they had uh, Chris Hedges, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, who had also been a foreign and Middle East correspondent, so great background there, and also um, journalist, award Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Max Blumenthal. So those three were guests, and Edward Snowden was basically breaking down the depths to which the spying was happening, not only on the U.S. population, but on the entire world. I wasn't aware, but 70% of all world communication comes through the United States. So every email account, every social media account, cell phones, smart TVs. I mean, the, the level is unbelievable. You know, we, we point fingers at China for being a surveillance state. You know, Russia has been our favorite villain forever. I'm 54 years old, right? I grew up under the threat of nuclear annihilation. And, you know, that was the birth of heavy metal music because there really wasn't a hope for a future. It was looking very dismal, and hence heavy metal was born. Um, well, it turns out Russia has never done jack shit to us, but we keep them on the forefront. You know, Hillary Clinton said flat out that she she wanted to go to war with Russia. Yeah, so some of my favorite whistleblowers now would be, I don't know about whistleblowers, but uh, people that speak truth to power, you know, people that are uh, kind of doing what I'm doing, but on a bigger platform would be Lee Camp. He's got a show, Moment of Clarity. Um, Abby Martin on YouTube as well. Uh, the reporter Max Blumenthal. There's The Gray Zone. The Intercept is a good uh, good publication. The Jimmy Dore Show is a great source. He has some great people on. Um, Russell Brand, the comedian. He has gone, you know, very political and love what he's doing. Um, so there's, there's a lot of people out there who are speaking truth to power who just aren't buying the lamestream narrative, right? So I said it earlier on a little video when I was going for a walk, but you know, if, if you're flying a Ukrainian flag and a bumper sticker and you know, you're, you're, you're espousing this, you know, propagandistic, I stand with Ukraine, but you don't. You haven't looked into any of these other crises. You don't stand with the people of Yemen, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Palestine. Then you've been propagandized, you know, and um, hopefully it's not too late for you. Hopefully you don't think that I just hate this country and that, you know, whatever, you know, try to put me in a box because I'm speaking out against the evils that are being perpetrated in our name. These are these acts are being done in our name, right? So I just pulled up uh, the website Amnesty International about Yemen. Let me see if I can get a date on this here. Uh, January 26th, 2022, Yemen. U.S. made weapon used in airstrike that killed scores in escalation of Saudi-led coalition attacks. 
the Saudi-led coalition used a precision-guided munition made in the United States in last week's, last week's airstrike on a detention center in Sahad. I'm probably butchering that name. Uh, in northwestern Yemen, which, according to Doctors Without Borders, killed at least 80 people and injured over 200. Amnesty International said today the laser-guided bomb used in the attack, manufactured by the U.S. defense company Raytheon, is the latest piece in a wider web of evidence of the U.S. manufactured weapons in incidents that could amount to war crimes. Over the past week, the Saudi-led coalition has relentlessly pounded northern Yemen with airstrikes, including the capital city of Sanaa. Sanaha? These are tough names. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a Dave Smith. I'm a little phonetically challenged. I'm doing my best here. Um, that have inflicted dozens of civilian casualties and destroyed infrastructure and services. The escalation followed Houthi strikes on 17 January that targeted an oil facility in Abu Dhabi, which killed three civilians. Oh, so it sounds like that was retaliatory. How dare you bomb our oil? Um, horrific images that have trickled out of Yemen despite the four-day internet blackout are a jarring reminder of who's paying the terrible price for Western states' lucrative arms sales for Saudi Arabia and its coalition allies, said Lynn Malouf of Amnesty International's deputy director for the Middle East and North Africa. The USA and other arms supplying states must immediately halt transfer of arms, equipment, and military assistance to all parties involved in the conflict in Yemen. The international community has a responsibility to close the gates to all arms sales that are fueling the needless suffering of civilians in the armed conflict. By knowingly supplying the means by which the SLC, uh, Saudi-led coalition, has repeatedly violated international human rights and humanitarian law, the USA, along with the UK and France, share responsibility for these violations. Amnesty International's arms experts analyzed photos of the remnants of the weapon used in the attack on the detention center and identified the bomb as a GBU-12, a 500-pound laser-guided bomb manufactured by Raytheon. Wow, Raytheon, manufacturers of death, destroying a community near you. Since March 2015, Amnesty International's researchers have investigated dozens of airstrikes and repeatedly found and identified remnants of U.S. manufactured munitions. Amnesty International's previously identified the use of the same U.S.-made Raytheon bombs used on 21 January in a Saudi-led airstrike carried out on 28 June 2019 on a residential home in Taiz uh, Governorate, Yemen, that killed six civilians, including three children. Wow. The international community has a responsible to close the gates on, to all arms sales that are fueling the needless suffering of civilians in the armed conflict. And that's a quote by Lynn Malouf of Amnesty International. In September 2021, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a provision to its yearly defense bill ending U.S. support of the SLC's offensive operation and airstrikes in Yemen, yet it was removed from the final bill that later passed into law. 
U.S. So, so you see how we do that? We can speak out and say we're not going to support it anymore, but oh, but then that'll be retracted from the final bill. Rhetoric, political rhetoric at its finest. U.S. President Joe Biden has abandoned promises made after first taking office in early 2021 to end U.S. support for offensive operations in Yemen, including arms sales, and to, quote unquote, center human rights in foreign policy and ensure rights abusers are, quote unquote, are held accountable. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates are apparent exceptions. Since November 2021, anti-ballistic defense systems to Saudi Arabia, including a $28 million deal for U.S. maintenance of Saudi aircraft in mid-January. Among these was the approved sale of $650 million in missiles to Saudi Arabia, also from Raytheon, which Congress greenlit despite motions to block it in December. The administration stated it remains committed to the proposed sale of $23 billion in F-35 aircraft, MQ-9B, and munitions to the UAE, United Arab Emirates, despite strong human rights concerns. Continuing to arm the SLC not only fails to meet the U.S.'s obligation under international law, it also violates U.S. law, the Foreign Assistance Act, and the Libby laws. Both bar U.S. arms sales and military aid to gross violators of human rights. Booyah. And, you know, and it's just morally and ostensibly wrong. So brutal. So does the U.S. have any moral, any moral high ground left? Do we? When was the last time that we did a humanitarian relief that was really humanitarian relief? I can't think of one in my lifetime, really. Um, they've all, it's all been military operations under the guise of humanitarian relief. Um, so let's continue on here. On January 20th, 20th the Saudi-led coalition launched airstrikes on the port city of Hudaya. Wait, I'm sorry, I'm butchering these names. They are tough for me. Hudayada, killing at least three children, according to Save the Children. Airstrikes have also targeted a telecommunications building in Hudayada, causing a nationwide internet blackout. Isn't that convenient? Yemen was largely without internet access for four days, leaving friends and families out of touch and restricting people's ability to access or share information on the situation. Seems like that was by design. Under international humanitarian law, all parties to the conflict have a clear obligation to protect the lives of civilians caught up in the hostilities, including detainees. The deliberate targeting of civilians, objects, and extensive unjustified destruction of property are war crimes. The coalition has denied targeting the detention center in Sadaha and was hit in the 21, that was hit in the, in the January 21st airstrike, the United Nations described the attack as the worst civilian casualty incident in the last three years in Yemen. And then a little, this is the background here. The conflict in Yemen has taken a devastating toll on civilians across the country. 
the people of Yemen have been exposed to unlawful practices by state and non-state armed groups alike, while violations of human rights and international humanitarian law, including war crimes, have been committed by all parties in the conflict throughout the nation. The latest escalation in violence came after Houthi strikes on Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates on January 17th. On January 23rd, a missile struck in southern Saudi Arabia, which reportedly injured two civilians. So how dare you fuck with our oil? We will fucking kill you. That's the, that's my summary. So yeah, pretty intense, man. Pretty, pretty intense. Um, once again, it's not that my heart doesn't go out to people struggling in the Ukrainian conflict. I'm just nauseated by the virtue signaling of people flying the flag and the bumper stickers and all this and that. And, you know, espousing their humanitarian-ness on, on social media when they don't speak of any of these other longer-going uh conflicts that have you know that have decimated the lives of way more people um so ultimately i am a pro-peace anti-war person um i think there is always you know where there's a will there's a way i truly believe that and you know if our number one goal was diplomacy we would be sending plane loads of diplomats not weapons but that doesn't seem to be the goal so that doesn't seem to be the action taken. Um, curious if you guys have any more uh, questions, anything you want me to cover on this. Otherwise, I don't know. This is going on like 45 minutes. Probably a good time to wrap it. Um, I would like to, once again, to give a shout out to some, uh, some people speaking truth to power that I highly suggest people check out. Um, the Jimmy Dore show is a fantastic outlet. He has people on journalists and authors all the time. Um, Russell Brand also. Um, another one, Abby Martin. She's a fantastic investigative journalist. Uh, she actually went and um, lived in uh, Israel and Palestine for two months and did a four part series on what she saw there reporting from the ground from refugee camps and interviewing people right on the streets of Jerusalem. And what she portrayed is absolutely horrific. That is an apartheid state, and that's a really nice way of saying it. And um, it's a horrific conflict that, that, that needs to stop. I have no idea why we support Israel, but we do. And you can't speak out against Israel or you're an anti-Semite, even if you're just, you know, trying to end conflict and if you're pro-peace um you know it, 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 where there's a will there's a way and uh, max blumenthal another fantastic journalist um, the gray zone the intercept um, lee camp another fantastic freedom fighter and uh, let me know if you guys have any have any ideas of people that I haven't mentioned that I should check out, you know? What's going on, Dharma Ghost? Um, and Shamara, Shama, 
Let me know how you say your name. I don't want to butcher it. Sham Shmari Shmarahu. Oh, I'm butchering it. But anyway, appreciate you people for tuning in. Let me know if you have a uh, a news outlet that you suggest that's not you know on a major corporate owned station. I call CNN the CIA news network, and uh, I recently found out that MSNBC, the MS stands for Microsoft. So that's basically Bill Gates, NBC. Yeah. Um, and we all know. We all know about Bill Gates. It's a shifty guy, that one. Jay Rue. I might hot. know this guy um, already, uh, but he, on YouTube, he goes by the name of Some More News. Um, he's, you know, he's got Twitter and I don't know, other platforms, I'm sure. Some More News. Uh, he's. Uh, he's kind of, he's a comedian and he's hilarious but he's super fucking informative like so informative i do not uh, i'm not familiar with that guy but i just wrote that down um another one that's pretty good that i like is the real news network uh dharma ghost thomas sheridan uh ireland um pagan <laughs> Uh, he's he's got a pretty good uh, view of world affairs, but um, he, I mean, it's kind of more coming from the magical pagan sort of perspective. But got me through the pandemic anyway, with some least hope of staying sane. Um, it's the greatest greatest education ever, though world world affairs right now. Uh, um, but thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Dharma. Thank you very much for the compliment and for that source. I will definitely check into him. Oh, here's another one. Glenn Greenwald, fantastic journalist. He started a uh, site called The Intercept, and then he was told he couldn't speak out against the Clintons, so he bailed from the, uh, the site that he started. Jeremy Scahill, uh, another one. Um, and then uh, the Gray Zone with Max Blumenthal and Aaron Maté. Aaron Maté actually won a journalistic award for debunking the whole Russiagate bullshit. Um, he peeled back the onion on that through many, many episodes and won an award for it. But, you know, MSNBC kept spewing that nonsense even after he had won that award. Jay Rue coming in hot. How about um, Kyle Kalinske with uh, Secular Talk? I never hear you mention him. Are you... Um, you into him or you got any issues with him? I like him. I, I have mixed feelings about Kyle Kalinske. I used to like him a lot. Um, he's kind of toned down a little bit. I think I'm not sure what that's about. Um, he used to do, what was it? Rising. He, uh, there was this woman, um, Crystal Ball used to do a show called Rising before she was pulled off of that. And now she does a show with Kyle. Um, so I, you know, I, I see him every once in a while. He's not one of my go-to sources. Um, another person I really, really like is Kim Iverson. And she started as an independent YouTuber. And her YouTube was blowing up. Like she was getting, you know, 10,000 views per show, gaining 100,000 followers a month. And... Um, now she's on the hill 
uh, which is, you know, take her to leave the hill. But she's their left-leaning voice, uh, what I like to call the voice of reason on that show. Um, yeah, I don't dislike Kyle Kalinske, but not really one of my go-tos anymore. Um, you know, he was big in the Justice Democrats, and I think he's still of the school of thought that we can reform the Democratic Party from within. And, you know, I've abandoned that, that notion or that hope. That's what led me to the People's Party. I think we just need to walk away. What I've been told for, for many years about the Democratic Party is that if we don't vote for the Democratic candidate, then we're by default giving that election to the Republican counterpart. I completely disagree with that. And that's fear-mongering tactics. The largest block of voters are non-voters, around 100 million people. So if we can get a fraction of the Democratic Party followers to leave the Democratic Party and join the People's Party and then get a large portion of the non-voters and possibly a fraction of Republican voters, then that third party is in and it's a happening thing. Um, You know, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. And, you know, it might take a little bit. So whatever, but, but if we don't take those first steps, we'll never get there, right? The journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. So firm believer in a third party, I, I completely believe that our two-party system is broken. Um, you know, large donors and corporations pay off both sides so that whoever gets in, they have their boy in the White House. You know, uh, Obama's a prime example. Citibank sent him a letter with 21 names on it of who they wanted in his cabinet. Well, guess what? All 21 people got a, got a position in the Obama cabinet. And then look what he did with the 2008 crash. Bailed out the banks, screwed the people. Um, that's a whole nother show. But I've heard that with the money that was given to bail out the banks, they could have paid off every single home loan for every home loan owner in the United States. Imagine that. Imagine if all of a sudden every homeowner didn't have a mortgage and that was disposable income. That would have gone back into the economy and our economy would have exploded. It would be thriving. But no, they gave that money to to the banks that didn't need it. As a matter of fact, Bank of America was busted because that was stimulus money. It was supposed to be spent to to you know stimulate the US economy. Well, Bank of America invested their 82 billion of taxpayer money in foreign investments saying that they got a higher return on the money. Well, we don't give a shit. That's not what it was for. It was to stimulate the U.S. economy. So unbelievable. Another really great source that I've stumbled um, onto recently is called the Film Archives on YouTube. And what this is, is it's kind of late 80s, early 90s interview format. It's, you know, just a sit down interview format. Um, But they interview a bunch of old ex-CIA members, John Stockwell being one. And you'll hear some amazing, mind-blowing accounts of firsthand experiences of CIA operatives and what they actually did on the ground. And if you haven't heard these revelations, it'll blow your mind. Um, So we are not... (laughs) According to everything I've heard and read, we are not the good guys. We are not out there promoting democracy and freedom. It's quite the opposite. We're maintaining U.S. hegemony 
and taken anybody out at the knees, that 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 becomes a threat to that. Um, one little side note on that. If communism was as bad as we're told, wouldn't they let a country try it, decide they didn't like it, and then point the finger and go, see, see, we told you. So maybe communism is communism, maybe communism isn't so bad. Maybe it's a better way. And maybe that's why the CIA is hell-bent on stopping it at all costs. Right? Think of the McCarthy era here in the US when if you were found to have any communist ties, your, com your career was ruined, you were blacklisted. Um, now we label any country that's socialist as enemy number one, right? Um, Venezuela, prime example. Venezuela had a thriving economy before we put an uh, economic embargo on it. Turns out they have, I think, the largest supply of oil in the world, so that's why we care, right? It, in case you didn't know, that's why we care. I think it was Noam Chomsky that says, you know, if Iraq's export was broccoli, would we be as concerned? Um, no, we wouldn't. So you always got to look to the money. But, uh, you know, Maduro in Venezuela was democratically elected. That the election was evaluated, gone over with a fine tooth comb, and it was found to be a completely legitimate and fair election. As a matter of fact, the elections in Venezuela were found to be uh, freer and fairer elections than those in the United States by some international governing body that I didn't don't remember the name of. We got two more messages here. Dharma goes. Um, so right on for at least like I think that's the first like intelligent like per, like solution <laughs> to to a fucking broke ass system that I've I've heard. Because um, it's it's I'm just like okay like well who's gonna who's gonna lead who's gonna what do we get, what do, what the fuck do we do like I mean so that's at least something I'm gonna look into that people's party sounds good thank you yeah my favorite thing about the people's party is they don't take any corporate money and they're doing something groundbreaking if you think. If you know somebody that you think would be good in politics, whether they have political experience or not, you can nominate them for a position in the People's Party. So isn't it time that we get people into Congress that have the right ideals and the right goals and morals as opposed to, you know, taking the right classes and having the right connections? Dharma goes coming in hot again. Yeah, they they did pay off everybody's mortgage. They paid the banks, and then the banks are still going to charge you, so they're kind of getting double. Yeah, thank you. And five million people lost their homes in that. For the first time in the U.S. Uh, in recent U.S. history, the the next generation wasn't doing as well as the previous. So you know, parents had to move in with their children in some cases. Um, it, 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 the whole empire is in decline, right? So our lifespan has declined for the first time in the U.S. history. Um, deaths of white males, the leading cause of death for white males, which I know, you know, the world's smallest violin plays for the white men, but I, I'm not saying that, but it's just a statistic that, that points at how bad things have gotten. Deaths of despair are now the leading cause of middle-aged white men. 
And what these are are people drinking themselves to death, um, dying from doing drugs or drug overdoses, or straight up suicide. You know, basically the disease of hopelessness, right? Dis ease, not being at ease is an epidemic right now. Um, you know, and, and I think it's being sown, right? In all these little minute ways that we're being told to, to fight against each other. Um, I'm not buying into it. We are all one. Um, that's why I introduced my podcast with greetings, fellow earthlings, because we're all on this little planet hurling through space in a corkscrew pattern. It's a miracle that we're alive right now in this place, on this rock, flying through space. So we need to keep that in mind. Any little division line is exactly that. It's minutia. And if you pull back the lens far enough, it doesn't matter. You got three more messages. Shamraya, I wish you would tell me how to spell your, say your name correctly. I feel like I'm butchering it. But Shamraya, coming in hot. Uh, I just want to say, uh, on paper at least, communism seems the most fair political uh, theory for me. Uh, and I'm from England. And when I came to America, all through the seven-year process, each step, step, I had to swear and sign, you know, that I had not taken part in any political com communism, uh, you know, uh, activities. And the final thing was I had to swear as well that I would never do. See, there you go. That that's I'm not saying I know, but this this occurred to me about a month ago. If communism was so bad, wouldn't we let people try it and learn that it isn't very good? Well, apparently it's the opposite. We're you know, if you come I just learned this from you. If you're coming into this country, you have to swear not only that you haven't had communist affiliations, but that you never will. Wow. Wow. I bet we don't ask if people have Nazi affiliations. Dharma yeah, coming in, huh? um, shout, shout out to urban um, camping, it's the great American dream. Like, I didn't even own a home, but the fucking shit show of the time it's been trying to recapture what was, like, I worked hard for, you know, um, yeah, but, like... Yeah, I don't know, man. But there's a lot more people living uh, in their cars, um, some creatively, some not, uh, now um, than uh, pre-pandemic -pre um, um, observation. That's a great observation, great point. And I think it's been on the rise ever since the collapse of 2008. I mean, we we never really remedied or reconciled or came to terms with that. Um, we just kind of swept it under the rug. The economy, quote unquote, rebounded for people that do have money, right? The stock market, here's how ridiculous um, it is to look at the stock market as a barometer of economic health. During the middle of the, in the middle of the pandemic, when everybody's forced to, to stay at home, the pan the uh, the Wall Street had its best quarter ever. How how can those two things coexist? Oh, it's not a barometer. It's <laughs> somebody told me once that um, that 
you know, the, the financial indicators on Wall Street are, uh, I forget the quote now. Anyway, Shamara. And my name is Shamari Yahoo. Um, everybody get a bit tongue-tied with that. Shamari Yahoo. I like that. Probably have to say it 400 times before I butcher it, but Shamari Yahoo. It's a great name. I got cursed with Dave Smith, but whatever. It's just a name, just a badge I was given. Um, I appreciate all you people for tuning in. Um, you know, having people chime in and, and listen, you know, keep it puts the wind in my sails to make me want to keep doing these kind of things. Uh, makes me feel like I'm not just talking to a wall. So thank you, Jay Rue, Dharma Ghost, Shamarahu, man, Shamirahu, ah, Sham, uh, Damon, and Moham. Thank you all. Got a message from Dharma Ghost again. Here's something I don't understand. Like, for as many people who are living in their cars right now, it seems like cars would be a very valued asset that we have. But yet, in almost every city, like, p police, you know, police are not, they don't have the resources they're claiming to follow up and investigate carjackings or stolen car crimes. So it's like people are doing it, like, more. And so there's now real concern. Like if somebody, if you see somebody kind of walking up towards your car, like fucking run the red light. Don't like, and that's the suggestion of our local police. Like fuck traffic laws. Keep your fucking shit. Run it. Cause we're not there. Absolutely. Dharma ghost. That's a good public service announcement. If this is the oldest trick in the book, it was happening back in the day in San Francisco when I lived there 20 years ago, but now it's on the rise again. People will rear end you like a slight fender bender to get you to get out of your car and then they'll rob you, possibly beat you up and rob your person or possibly just take your car. But uh, a woman, this happened to a woman in Sacramento. She was pepper sprayed in the face, then punched in the head, and then they took her car. Well, unbelievable so absolutely if somebody taps you and you know just drive away call the police or drive to a police station um do not get out of your vehicle that's the time those, these are the times we're living in right now um it's it's unbelievable well, i think i'm going to call it there folks unless anybody has another message they want to leave but um, this has been fantastic. I greatly appreciate everybody for tuning in. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to interview a woman that wrote a book, The Silent Prophecy. Uh, so at four o'clock. So I got to get ready for that a little bit. But greatly appreciate you people tuning in. Uh, if you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do check out my podcast and another thing with Dave on all podcast platforms, anywhere you get your podcast information. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Ghana in India even. Um, super stoked and humbled to be on 23 platforms in 46 countries. We got one more message. Dharma goes. Um, but, you know, that's not, I mean, I don't live in fear. Um, I'm truly believe we make our we we you know dictate our our reality experience, and so uh, you know I see good things, I see good in people and stuff, and so like um, I I yeah I mean, you know plus 
Portland, fucking safer than anything. I don't know where you are, but um, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Fucking cream cheese here. Yeah, I believe we do create our own reality to a certain extent. Um, as a matter of fact, physics has even shown that um, that things change just by being observed. Um, but yeah, but you know that's a whole other topic. But absolutely, but uh, you know, just urge people to have their wits about them. You know, like I, I used to work in hotels in San Francisco and I would always tell people, don't look at the ground and don't avoid eye contact with people. Do the opposite. Look people right in the eyes and be like, hey, how you doing? I'm not I'm not the victim. <laughs> I'm not afraid, you know, and, you know, because fear is all in our head, really. And we are all one. And, you know, go forward and manifest your reality of a beautiful, wonderful, loving life with people accepting you as who as you are and uh and hopefully uh i will see you soon as we trudge this road of happy destiny much love to everybody and another thing with dave signing off peace out